0: Welcome to Up in Your Business with Carrie McCoy. Be sure to stay tuned to the end of the show to hear how you can get a copy of this program and other helpful documents. And now it's time for Carrie McCoy to get all up in your business.
1: Thank you, Tim, and thank you, listeners, for tuning in. You're listening to KABF in Little Rock, Arkansas. I'm Carrie McCoy, and it's time for me to get all up in your business. By that, I mean to say, Share my business knowledge and wisdom with you, our listeners. For the next hour, my guests and fellow entrepreneur will be discussing how we maneuvered the path of entrepreneurship in pursuit of our dreams. The hope is that if you own or want to own a small business, you will gain some insights today of the risks and the rewards. We'll also be answering questions and giving advice via phone, email, or you can tweet us. Now, you may be asking yourself, what qualifies this lady to do this? And the answer is easy, experience. I started my company, Arkansas Flag & Banner, over 40 years ago with a meager $400. During the last four decades, Arkansas Flag & Banner has grown from door-to-door sales, to telemarketing, to mail order and catalog sales, and now we rely heavily on the internet. Each change in sales strategy required a change in company thinking, and procedures. My wisdom, confidence, and my company grew. My initial $400 investment now produces nearly $4 million in annual sales. In this next hour, here is what not to expect. Don't expect textbook answers or pie-in-the-sky theories, but what you will hear is a candid conversation about real-world experiences on topics I hope you'll find interesting. So be prepared for the truth it's not always easy to hear for example in business there are very few overnight successes i worked part-time jobs for nine years before arkansas flag and banner grew enough to support just me it's now grown and expanded so much that to operate efficiently we require are you ready for this a purchasing manufacturing graphic shipping technology accounting marketing sales and customer service department plus we have a retail store 25 people or really maybe more now make their living from working at arkansas flag and banner but that didn't happen overnight starting and owning a business takes persistence perseverance and patience i hope you'll take advantage of this unique opportunity today by calling or emailing me on today's show but before we get started I want to introduce you to the people at the table. We have Tim Bowen, our technician, who will be taking your calls and pushing the buttons. Say hello, Tim. Hello, Tim. <laughs> My guest today is so interesting. It's Laurie Parrish, co-owner of Sheridan White Rock, Inc. It's a rock quarry in near Sheridan, Arkansas, known for its rare deposit of milky white silica quartz. Lori, having grown up in the mining industry, decided to try something else when she graduated high school and got a law degree from the University of Arkansas School of Law. Fourteen years ago, after practicing law for ten years, Lori and her sister, Tara Harper, went back into the family business of mining at the White Rock Quarry in Sheridan, Arkansas. Welcome to the table, Lori. Thank you. You're welcome. All right. Tell me about this decision to leave your law practice and go back into the family business.
2: Well, in 2002, my dad um, came to me and said that he thought maybe he would like to retire and um, suggested that my sister and I consider buying them out. And so, you know, it was a lot to think about and to get your head around or whatever after having not lived in this area for 10 years. and you know, owning my own business in a different way to come back home and, and, and take over the family business. But, you know, it was just the right thing to do. And it felt really exciting at the time. And it's been a great decision for us, I think, to, to be able to continue on something that my dad worked so hard to begin. Did your dad start it or did he buy it from somebody? Well, it was a little mom and pop, quarry when my dad and his business partner purchased it in 1973. Um, the young Smith man that owned it initially just basically sold in bulk. And so it was an ongoing quarry that my parents purchased, but they expanded it well beyond what it was doing initially.
1: And you grew up working in the mine.
2: Well, yes, I grew up with my mom and dad running the business my whole life. And so, you know, on Saturdays when you know, go to work with my dad and around the dinner table every night. That's what my parents talked about were the decisions that they were making and the things that they were doing. And so, you know, I got a good bit of that growing up for sure. But it made you decide you wanted to go to law school. Yeah. You know, it's hard when you hear that all the time to then think about doing that your whole life. I I don't know. I think that everybody wants to try something different, but it's surprising how you always kind of come back home, I guess. And you're glad you did. Oh, absolutely. And was your sister hard to convince? Um, no, my sister's a nurse by education, and so, you know, I think that she thought the same as me, is that our educational backgrounds didn't really equip us very well to run a business like this, but I think she's been very delighted that she that she took the bite, too. Do you both work there every day? No, we. it's usually one or the other of us, sometimes both, but... Most of the time, you'll get her, or you'll get me. I can't wait to learn about this business, and so I want
1: to take a break, though. Uh, and when we come back, we're going to find out what makes the Sheridans' white rock so special, and how we might possibly use it for our own personal use, like maybe landscaping. Pygmies, <laughs> <laughs> metamorph.
0: Sedimentary, sedimentary, sedimentary three types of rocks and that's all three say three types of rocks and that's all three Igneous Metamorphic Sedimentary, sedimentary, sedimentary three types of rocks and that's all three say three types of rocks and that's all three three types of rocks in Geology Technology, Geology types
2: of Never met a metamorphic rock, you can't be plain. Always changing over time, never stays the same. Ingenious how magma flows and puddles up in pools. Igneous the rock is made with molten magma cools. I thought I'd never say it, but I guess it's meant
1: to
0: be. Layered rock and other rocks sedimentary. Igneous, metamorphic, sedimentary,
2: and that's all three. Igneous, Igneous rocks are formed when magma from a
1: volcano. And that's all three.
0: Igneous,
1: sedimentary rocks form when eroded earth
0: and other and materials settle in layers. <laughs> Layers down over time to form a solid
1: so, at the break, I'm asking Lori about these three kinds of rocks, and she was pretty smart about it. One's a sediment, one's volcanic. The other
2: one's metamorphic?
1: I think so, yeah. It said there's only really only three kinds of rock. Is that true? Uh,
2: I'm not a geologist. I know. I was going to ask you if you had to be a geologist to be in your business. I'm sure that it would be helpful, but... No person who owns a quarry that I know is truly a geologist. Um, tell me what makes the rock so special. Well, predominantly it's color. There's very few naturally occurring white river rocks. It's just really rare and unique. And its chemical composition also makes it rare. It's 98 or so percent silica quartz, which makes it super hard and white and those things in combination are just really rare like most of the things that you think of when you think of a white rock are things like marble chips for example and that's kind of a really soft rock and not really as suitable for things like and one of the major things that we do with our material is we crush it into something very fine and we sell it to be plastered on the inside of gunite swimming pools And because of its hardness and its white color, it's super desirable for that application. And it's just, you know, it just doesn't exist in very many places like this. And
1: I I don't know why anybody would ever use anything else.
2: Well, some people don't like it because it's white, right? Like They want something kind of natural colored. And so for a landscaping application, sometimes it sort of goes in and out with the seasons, but for sure um, to the inside of commercial swimming pools have to be white. And because our rock is so hard, it's just super desirable to be plastered in that way. And and we have orders from all over the nation, really, um, for people demanding our material to be used like that.
1: Do you? Is it hard to keep up with the demand? Um. Yeah. As, yes. <laughs> if you
2: you are you pacing yourself so you don't run out of rock? Yeah. And so I think that's one of the biggest things about owning your family's business is that, you know, you think of yourselves kind of as stewards, like you know, it's not really about just making money today, but about trying to find a way to be able to maintain the business and and its money making capabilities maybe for generations yet to come. And so that really has led um, my sister and I to really consider our rates of depletion and we have set them and we, you know, so that we can hopefully maintain the business for a really long period of time. Long enough for her kids and your kids. My kids, if they
1: so you're thinking forty more years? Yes, And so you set a pace that you're going to go at.
2: So yes,
1: that, and and when it's all gone, what do you do with the the, the the quarry after it's all been depleted? I mean, I know when I was a kid, we used to go swimming in I don't know what the, I think those were bauxite quarries, though.
2: Mm-hmm. well we um early in our company's history, we did reclaim some of our land into ponds. And so, on some of our acreage, we do have some ponds down there. My nephew fishes down there all the time. But in later years, and now, we reclaim back into timberland. And so, after we've depleted or dug out all the rock, we actually reclaim the land back in such a way that we can plant pine trees or something on top. And
1: is pine tree the only one that will probably grow in a rock quarry?
2: Well, you know, once the rock's gone, it's, it's just th- land. It's just land. It's, it is, for us, it is. That's the way that we reclaim. And the
1: fact that it's dug out and deep doesn't create a water issue for the trees or well
2: there's a huge water issue down there the water tables it's in the saline river bottoms and so there's a lot of water to contend with already once you get down into the pit to dig the water away but then as you reclaim and fill those holes back in and level off the surface really it's no wetter than the land around it was initially and so pine trees grow there it would reforest itself naturally if you just let it and just from the vegetation that's you know growing around on the land that's adjacent to it so so you think you've got the white
1: rock because you live in Arkansas and Arkansas is the diamond state do you think that
2: we have quartz crystals already so there's um, a good bit of similarity in the chemical composition between the quartz crystals and this milky white silica quartz the you know it 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 has a little bit of a difference in, its, in the look, like it doesn't crystal up, like it doesn't really um, form the same shapes. This looks more like a river rock, but there is a good bit of similarity. There's geologists think of it a little bit as an anomaly. There's, they can't find an upstream source for this material. So they're not really sure exactly where it came from.
1: And once it's gone, it's gone. And once it's gone, it's gone. Is there any ram- environmental ramifications of it being gone off of our planet? Does it matter?
2: Well, um, you know, I've heard I've heard lots of reports lately that maybe even as early as twenty fifty there's gonna be a shortage worldwide of construction um components kind of in general, like things like sand and gravel and those sorts of things we're depleting at a huge rate and using in things like concrete and asphalt and building supplies and so you know, there is a ramification. The absence of those materials is gonna put us all in a more costly situation for construction you know but and environmentally i i guess that you know when you go in and remove the trees off some parcel of land and dig down in there and you know it's not exactly the same as it was before but we we don't treat the rock with anything we just wash it with water which we recap you know we have a pond we use the pond water to wash the rocks we recapture the water we let the dirt settle out we use the clean water to wash the rock again. And so, you know, as far as the impact in that regard, when I'm very at the little.
1: grocery store and I see and I'm in a parking lot
2: and I see all this white rock used as landscaping. Is that your rock? It is. Uh, unless it's marble chips. But my deposit of material is predominantly white, but it has an occasional gray stone in it, which is naviculite, which is kind of the stuff that they use to make like wet stones and stuff. And then it has an occasional pink, quartz colored material in it as well. And that's just the way it looks when you dig it out of the ground. I see that rock everywhere, and it looks like it's about an inch. Um, we size it? I, it. Naturally existing in the deposit, the vast majority of the rocks are two inches or smaller in our deposit. There's very few things that come out of there really bigger in size than about two inches. And we screen out a size that we call landscape. It's about three quarters of an inch to inch and a quarter. And we sell that rock to be used in that application size that way. So you have to have a big sifter that gravels, sifts through and
1: gravels out mm-hmm. different sizes. And yeah, it's like a, a multi-deck screen. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. and The we, little ones get through then the mm-hmm. next ones are on the next level. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly like that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, you said something and I quote you said one of your goals was to continue our longstanding tradition of providing quality materials and superior service to our customers and I was thinking how does a rock quarry give superior service
2: so um, our business really is unique right we do three things sort of exclusively or we sell the landscape rock that we really talked about, but that's really sort of a small percentage of what we really do. We take material that's smaller than half an inch and we size it and dry it in a rotary kiln dryer and sell it to be mixed with a resin and epoxy decked on top of concrete surfaces. And so in addition to the white rock that we um, mine locally, we bring in 27 other colors from other quarries all over the nation and specially process it to be used in this application. And like getting the sizing and the color and the processing right is super important to our customers and it's really the thing that we do really well. Like and I, you
1: process it there it in Sheridan, Arkansas? Yes,
2: our quarry site's actually located about 13 miles southwest of town but in the actual town of sheridan we have warehouse facilities and some 20 employees who um, wash screen sometimes crush size bag ship material all over the nation and so we that epoxy decking material we dry in a rotary kiln dryer all the internal moisture has to be gone from the rock or the minute that it's um, mixed together and encapsulated in that epoxy and trial down over a concrete surface, and the sun hits it, that water's gonna come out of the rock and it'll cloud up the inside of the epoxy. And so it's super important to our customers that we have to get it just right. And so, you know, that's the thing that, that really, like my, my dad's, he's set up, up on a system and really has um, really sort of laid the foundation for us to be able to do that in a way that's really good for our customers. We really do excel in getting that just right for them. I
1: don't think of that as a mom-and-pop operation i bet the people that your father bought it from weren't doing that so your your father honed that created that did he create that process no is he an engineer
2: no he well he should be like he has the ability to make or build or do anything which is the the quality i wish i had gotten from him right more than anything but in 1976 there was sort of the beginning of that market was kind of coming upon us and he just saw the opportunity and went to a junk sale and bought the pieces to build his first dryer for some six hundred dollars at a junk sale and built it shop built it himself and installed it and set about drawing some rock and figuring it out and he did and we've continued to do that since 1976
1: so quality control is your customer service that you're talking about and you even take rocks in which seems like that'd be really expensive to ship rocks to you yes. to do this process yes and and even probably the shipping's more expensive than the product. Uh, oftentimes, that's crazy, isn't it? Uh, so you ship it in and you process it and then you ship it back out because there's such a large demand and it's being used for mostly lining already
2: existing concrete pools or concrete driveways. So we really do two things. So we do epoxy decking rock, which are the rocks that we bring in from other places. And our rock size somewhere from just smaller than half an inch to about 3,30 seconds of an inch. And we bag that and ship it out, and it's basically used decoratively on top of existing concrete surfaces. And then in a different sort of application, we take our rock and crush it into a smaller size and sell that bagged sort of and process the same way to pool plastering companies all over the United States who plaster it on the inside of gunite swimming pools. And so really, they're kind of two separate, I'm going to say, lines, all they sounds like it. Right.
1: One's being bagged and sent to Home Depot? Uh, none of
2: that's being bagged and sent to Home Depot. What Their is being bagged and sent to Home Depot? landscape size material mm-hmm. is being bagged in plastic bags and sent to places like Home Depot, Sutherlands, you know, all sorts of home, uh, Ace Hardware, those sorts of places. But these smaller aggregates are being shipped to installers, mostly to people who are actually going out on the job, tradesmen, craftsmen, and who are doing the actual pool plastering work, you know, not to mom and pop, you know, not for you to do your own swimming pool.
1: I noticed when I was doing research that everybody calls rock aggregate in your business. I was like, why don't we just call it rock?
2: I don't know. It sounds nicer, doesn't (laughs) it? It does,
1: does. I was like, what's aggregate? And then I looked I was like, oh, rock. (laughs) (laughs) So I love that. Could people come out to your store and just buy from you if they wanted to? Could they just drive up to your quarry and buy from you? Or do you just wholesale and sell to people that distribute? But do you ever sell to the end user, I guess is what I'm trying Um, to ask.
2: We sell landscape size material, like that sort of stuff, either in bulk or bagged in poly bags. And you can buy that from us directly. These other sort of specialty aggregates, we distribute to to distributors mostly. To plasters. Exactly. Mm -hmm. I can't imagine what an end user would do with that
1: yeah they wouldn't but the but the landscape if i'm landscaping a really large if i'm landscaping arkansas flag and banner let's say and which i've got a big piece of property
2: downtown um i could come out there with my own truck and load it up Mm -hmm. you think yes you could come to my quarry side if you wanted it loose loaded in the back of your pickup truck or in a truck and trailer and my guys would you know wait and you could loose get it loose or Mm -hmm. you can get it in bags either way well if you get it in bags you have to get it at our warehouse facilities in town if you want it loose loaded, you actually have to go to our quarry So site. how do people but, yeah. call you? Um, just
1: look you up? Yeah. Just look up Sheridan White Rock online and mm-hmm. pick up the phone and call you and ask your hours. and. Yeah. You
2: mm-hmm. know, that's, I mean, really the bulk of our business is not that. Right. Right. And right. Um, most of the material that we manufacture and distribute goes outside of the state of Arkansas. Oh, it does? Almost exclusively.
1: Really? Mm-hmm. And why is that? Because we can all go in our backyard and get our own White Rock?
0: <laughs> no,
2: I'm just kidding. Um, I don't I you know gunite swimming pools are not very common here for starters I think just because of the soil composition most people use vinyl liner pools and so that sort of application is just not as common here as it is in places like California and Florida and South Texas where every pool that exists under the sun must be gunite swimming pools and, you know, epoxy decking's just not as popular here as it is in other areas of the nation. And so there's just not as much demand here.
1: Well, if I do it, I am definitely doing it that way. I'm going to use my local products if I ever make a pool.
2: Well, I think it would be great. I
1: know. I'm surprised we don't use it more.
0: your holler we were poor but we had love that's the one thing that daddy made sure of he shoveled coal to make a poor man's dollar We scrubbed our clothes on a
1: washboard every day. You're listening to Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy. I'm speaking today with Laurie Parrish, co-owner of Sheridan White Rock Quarry that mines a rare deposit of milky white silica quartz. So, you're a miner's daughter, but it's not coal, Laurie. But you said, when that came on, you said that your quarry, though, is subject to the same regulations. And you're a lawyer, so I bet... That comes in handy.
2: Well, regulatory compliance is—it it really is probably the most cumbersome portion of owning a quarry, and it's true. The even sand and gravel quarries are subject to the same mine health safety administrations as coal mines are, even though exclusively in Arkansas, almost every quarry that I can think of is an open pit mine as opposed to something underground and really you know it's not the same sort of considerations but yet you're saddled with the same regulatory issues. Do you have safety issues or problems much? You have really large equipment it sounds like. Yes but I also have a very experienced workforce most of the uh, especially in key positions most of the people that work for us have worked for us since I was a kid you know a good many of them and and so they're super conscientious and um, really experienced and You know, heavy equipment, of course, always comes with some risk and machinery and all of those sorts of things. But we've we've never really had any sort of, um, I hate that I've said that out loud because probably I'm going to jinx myself. No,
1: you're not. You have a great record and you've never had any problems. I can't believe people work for you for so long. People love that business. Um, yeah, like or they love working for you
2: <laughs> or your dad. Maybe my dad before me, more so than me, I'm sure. My sister.
1: A lot of times, when a small business changes hands, the employees are loyal to the first to the parents, and they don't stay on. I'm,
2: you know, I'm sure second generation family business owners have the same problem. I'm sure everywhere. It's hard. It's hard to fill the shoes of the person that comes before you. It's hard to you know to to make new decisions and to make changes while maintaining the culture and the feeling of the things that came before you it's something i think that we struggle with a lot just because you know everybody has such respect for my parents and they're amazing and and you know Are they still around? Mm-hmm. did yeah. they come down there? Oh uh yes and my dad um even last year maybe the year before we expanded our production facilities in town and my dad came and helped us you know shop build some of the equipment that we installed and offered some suggestions and you know he's it's great he's great to help us with things like that and really that is my deficiency he's so great about being able to see how the equipment should all come together and what's her repairs and how it should all be laid out and you know that's just not my experience it's not my strong suit and so I appreciate the fact that that he's still willing and able to come and so how many ploys do you have um, right th- now maybe 26 or 27 we're gearing up just a little bit things will get a little busier for us going into April and May and so maybe 30 or 31 or two because
1: everybody's landscaping make well, building pools
2: and uh, yes because people are and epoxy decking really is quite seasonal the weather has to be above 40 degrees in the area where the installations happening and so that really is the most seasonal of Of our bagging portion of our operation, and so it kind of kicks off sometimes between March fifteenth and April fifteenth, and goes and through the summer, typically.
1: I want to talk about the size of your land and how people can know if they have good land. But uh, before we move off that, talking about your rock, it's you say it's silica rock, which makes it really hard. And you said I read somewhere that you make silica steel and computer chips with it. So we
2: have that during the you know since the beginning we've our rocks gone done a lot of different things and there were times when they actually used it to make computer chips and I mean it, uh, it really is hard like maybe a 9 on the hardness scale which is pretty rare that's really fascinating to me it's uh, it, the deposit's really unique and um just you know because it just doesn't exist like that anywhere else and so So how
1: big's your land? Um I looked at it online because you have a picture of it on your website. Y'all should go to Sheridan Rock's website, White Rock website, and see your land. I love looking at the quarry from the aerial view. It was fabulous.
2: I I'm not sure I know the exact acreage. I'm going to say somewhere between six and eight hundred acres. We typically, though, permit um, you know in order to be able to mine at your facility, you have to have a permit from the Arkansas Department. environmental quality and so we typically permit in about 40 acre swatches and so you know we're actively mining on about 40 right now 60 acres but um, so that's typically what we do we mine it reclaim it and then move on to the next parcel
1: so I have a big let's say I do I don't but let's say I have a big piece of land in maybe a rocky area how would I go about finding out if I had any good rock? Can you just see it on top of the surface, or do you call out a geologist who digs down like you're looking for a well and a,
2: a water source and see if he can find some levels of rock? Uh, well, most of the rock in Arkansas is like like, like the rock you would see on a mountain. You know what I mean? Like yeah, it's, brown. Like you would see the rock maybe yes. in outcroppings, and that rock really, like, there's no real commercial application for that. What do you... Would
1: you be able to see your beautiful white rock if you hadn't, or was originally the first person could see it?
2: So the story is that the gentleman who purchased the land initially was hunting there in this rural area in South Grant County in the 1950s. And as he approached a stream bed that some of the rock had sort of washed, you know, the depth of the rock kind of varies over the over the acreage like there are some places that it's quite close to the surface and then some areas where it's maybe under 15 or 18 feet of dirt but especially around washes or creeks or whatever you could see the rock in the bed of the creek and he saw it there and supposedly the story is he was from some midwestern state and had had some experience selling or mining rock and and recognized its potential especially for application in uh, landscaping and straight away bought the property, made arrangements to buy the property and set in to start digging there and, and So
1: there wasn't a big white mountain that he went, Oh, look at that white bluff. Mm-hmm. No. It was through a stream that he mm-hmm. saw it washed down and he was like, Look at these pretty white rocks in the stream. I yeah. wonder where they're coming from. Yeah, and
2: he started doing some investigation and found it and realized that he could sell it and he thought he could make some money and so That's pretty cool. That is cool.
1: So how do you excavate? You just take out your big you, what's the process?
2: You go out there with your backhoe, I guess? trackhoe We trackhoe dig. Um, think of it like digging a pond, I'm going to say. So he goes out there, and he's going to set his trackhoe down, and in a swath around him, he's going to remove the topsoil and preserve that, and then he's going to take the overburden, the dirt that's on top of the deposit of gravel, and he's going to then stockpile that as well for reclamation. Stockpile then, it. Make a, fish make a big pile. Mm-hmm, okay. Yep, and so that when he's dug all the rock out, he's going to, put that back in the hole. I gotcha. Right? And so then he just digs out the gravel and um, loads it into these huge 75 ton articulated dump trucks that take it to the, to the um, plant to be washed and sized. And, and that plant is sold. offsite, it's in downtown. Well, so we have a plant at our quarry site that washes and sizes initially, and then the material comes to town. the smaller aggregates come to town. And are washed again and sized again and, and sifted and dried in and, a dryer bagged and, and, bagged and dried and bagged and shipped all over the nation. That
1: is just a fabulous business. So, what is it you like the very best about?
2: I guess the, besides the money. Well, <laughs> I really do like the fact that it's something that my dad was so passionate about. It's something that you know he worked really hard to establish and and I like the fact that I feel a little bit like a steward. You know Mm -hmm. over something that was super important to him
1: what's the part you don't like
2: i hate the regulatory compliance it's so cumbersome and daunting and you know those agencies have such power and authority over your business that you know it's a lot of responsibility do they
1: come out every year
2: they come more often than annually um mine inspectors come at least twice a year and typically twice a year plus they come and check your facilities for noise and dust levels so so it's for safety issues like
1: OSHA, I exactly. guess. It's, it's the
2: same sort of an inspection that you might get. Only the rules are different.
1: So if I wanted to get in that business, is it too late for somebody to go, I think I'll go look to buy a rock quarry. Does anyone ever want to sell a rock
2: quarry? I oh, mean, you're, I, yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I mean,
1: your dad bought it, mm-hmm. but I can't imagine somebody that's got a rock quarry saying, you know, I think I'm tired of doing this.
2: Um, really, you'd sort of be surprised. Like, a lot of the people who are quarrying gravel are really experienced miners who are older and more established, and, and really it, it, there might be more of an opportunity for that than you think.
1: They're getting ready to retire, mm-hmm. and yeah. their children have moved to the city like you did? Mm-hmm.
2: No, That's
1: because most of them are sort of existing in rural areas. So you put things in
2: 56-pound bags? Fifty-six. 50 pound bags per 50, pallet oh
1: 50 oh yeah there you go 56 mm-hmm. 50 pound bags
2: per pallet and so that's how we ship that materials bagged and stacked up on a pallet
1: what would would you think that equipment would be your main expense it seems like it would be i mean i'm i mean you've got 25
2: 26 30 employees really healthcare is my biggest expense <laughs> Really? Yeah. Yeah. People, Um,
1: you know, people don't realize that small businesses have become burdened with doing what our, what I think our government should do. Not everybody's going to agree with that, but because our government or, or for whatever reason, small businesses are burdened with health insurance. I don't know how that ever happened, that we are in charge of the health of the nation. (laughs) I'm not sure about that
2: and you know i don't know i think that i um i hear that it, from a lot of
1: small business people though. but i'm
2: i'm grateful we can is the yes. real truth right like right um so I, I don't know payroll might be my single biggest um but second to that really might be healthcare costs and then of course you know there's lots of costs related to equipment and machinery and you know a is a huge amount of money you know if you have to buy new equipment like that those pieces of heavy equipment, they're extremely expensive. I would think you could repair them to infinity though. You cannot repair them to infinity. We do try at our place and we do a lot of the maintenance. You just have to, you have to be able to do it yourself in order to ever be successful. And so I'm very lucky that the guys that we have that work there are really capable and the vast majority of those sorts of things we take care of in house. But they do not last forever
1: you know it seems like there'd just be nuts and bolts and tires and engines and you just keep replacing them replacing
2: the parts it doesn't seem like they'd be real complex are they computer
1: are they computer generated so
2: the newer models are and i think they're doing it to small business owners on purpose they're (laughs) you know what i mean like especially the epa the emissions regulations on new equipment tier four sort of things they're just putting you in a position where you can't do the maintenance yourself and it's just you know it, it adds a huge financial obligation to have to have people from Little Rock, for example, come down and plug your piece of equipment into the computer to be able to tell you what's wrong with it, and then come back the next day with the part to fix it, and, you mm-hmm. know, it's... it's So they're
1: just, they're falling into the same pattern that all of our cars are. Exactly. You've got to have a computer exactly. to do the diagnostics on your large it's, equipment. It's, uh,
2: yes, which makes it increasingly
1: more... Large. Someone asked me the other day, I had to fill out a survey, and they asked me the other day, what was, what were some of my largest expenses and you know I used to would have said you know payroll or employees because we but but we're moving away from hiring and having a lot of employees more towards it seems like we're moving more towards technology and supporting all these equipment and computers and you know keeping the technology running it seems like it's starting to take over
2: and and
1: I guess they call that robo-sourcing yes, in, a, but it's in a weird sort of way. Yes, but it's hard for
2: us because it, it's hard to find technically proficient employees. That's correct. And so, like, if I had 10 people on the end of the line who were bagging rock, some fairly, you know, it, some reasonably inexpensive employee Mm -hmm. and I then automate that then I have to replace those 10 people with a person who's capable of fixing that line when it goes down and that person doesn't exist for me like finding welders and heavy equipment operators and people with CDLs like those things are much harder to do than you realize and the vast majority of the people who are working with those sorts of skills are aging and there are very few people coming up who have replacement skills available who are going to be able to take their place and i think we're doing a huge disservice to ourselves not encouraging younger people to consider occupations like that a heavy equipment operator i mean they make a decent living and they make a good living a i think wonderful living yeah right? right but you never hear somebody say oh when i grow up i want to drive a truck you know, hear I heard had a, we had a guy
1: on here the other day who said that he was in the trucking industry and he can't find truck drivers. No, there's well, not enough truck drivers.
2: And the regulatory issues have become so prohibitive that people can't drive. I mean, it's the same uh, across this industry. Like, well,
1: mine is a sewing industry, so you can imagine how hard that is to find people that can sew. Can you sew, Laurie? Um, well, enough to make a costume, but. <laughs> for your daughter, you've got some great news we're gonna share when we come back from the break. It was the best. It was the best one, wasn't it? Well, everybody loves Queen. Everybody loves Queen. You're listening to Up in Your Business with Carrie McCoy. I'm speaking today with Laurie Parrish, co owner of the Sheridan White Rock Quarry, who mines a specially milky, opaque silica white
2: rock that's rare and found,
1: really, in Arkansas. Anywhere else?
2: Uh-uh. mm. Mm. There's some similar materials that are found in a couple other places, but the color's not as true and bright white as ours. So we got an email from
1: Susan in Conway, and she wants to know, you are a woman running a business in a male-dominated field. Have there been any challenges?
2: You know, I mean, of course I've gotten the whole... As you call to buy a new Traco, and the salesman say, "Well, why don't you go talk about that with the guy who's in charge and get back with me?" Like, of course, we all get that, but really, it's not been, you know, like I don't feel like it's been a liability at all. Maybe it's a novelty for people, for you know, for me to be, for my sister and me to be women quarrying gravel, but I don't feel like I've been denied something or or been less successful as a result of it, really. I think your novelty. I think that's probably true. I think I, a little.
1: In my business, there are several women in the flag business. There's lots of um, veterans in the flag business. But there's women in the flag business also because we sew. Right. We sew flags or we used to sew, sew flags. Today, we digitally print everything. It has changed so much. How has the rock business changed you know you said that it's dramatically expanded Mm -hmm. to meet the increasing demand
2: that's i think that probably you know it's funny when i think about the question because it feels like it's changed in a lot of ways but really it's sort of stayed the same you know what i mean like um, i think that the procedures we use to extract the gravel and to wash them probably have predominantly stayed the same of course equipment's become more efficient and They have new generations of things crushers in particular and screens that they're using today are far more efficient than the ones that my dad would have installed some 20 or 30 years ago and but you know the concepts are kind of the same really the changes have come with things like um, the how it is that you get a customer how you get the sales you know all of that a good bit of that now comes the same as i'm sure for you it comes uh, through the internet and you know customers find us in ways that they never were able to before because you have a higher profile online and we're shipping to more exotic locations and we're shipping in ways that we've never shipped before like by container rail containers and back to the railroad so they bring out a big van they put it on the back of a truck and they bring it to your facility and that you load it and they go back to the rail yard and they put that container on a rail train and it goes to california or wherever it is that you're that doesn't seem new flight. that seems old-fashioned yeah but it's hugely efficient and yeah you know, hugely learning. yes and so you know those sorts of things i think are the changes really more than the changes on the ground with what the guys are actually well doing how would
1: they have day. shipped it before that seems like the only way to ship rock
2: well no i probably it is but you know what i mean like you just wouldn't have shipped that far you know what i mean oh like, i see what you're saying the thought of shipping a rock from little rock arkansas to california to be used in some application is something that probably nobody would have ever considered just because the you know freight so prohibitively expensive that no they would have locally sourced it and they would have just settled for whatever it was that they that the they sky's could find the limit
1: When people say America is in a recession, it doesn't feel like it to me. I think there's a big separation between uh, working classes and, you know, the disparity of the money and how it's dispersed. But it does seem like people have this money, like you said, to ship it all.
2: There's somebody out there in California that can afford to have your rock shipped all the way out there. And, you know, to be used, like, in commercial swimming pools, right? Like, it's the, like the demand for it continually surprises me it just does like i'm just amazed that people for commercial swimming pools predominantly
1: for like hotels i Mm -hmm. guess
2: exactly because you know they want the inside of it to be white so if the kid's floating in the deep end ugh, don't even say it well you know what i mean like that's i mean right and so and all over and in huge quantities and so there have to be a good bit so people
1: are vacationing People are landscaping. When I grew up, nobody had a landscaped yard. Most landscaped you ever had was someone had a row of azalea bushes. Today, we've got landscaping rocks, which is great for your business. Mm -hmm. And then we've got lots of pools to go with hotels for the people that vacation.
2: Yeah. And, you know, we haven't even talked about the fact that we sell some sand into sand traps on PGA golf courses.
0: Wow. And so, you know,
2: like there's all sorts of, but it is, it's... um, you know, they're mostly high-end kind of applications where they really are maybe more impacted by a downturn in the economy than maybe something else might be. And
1: and since you said that, I looked back and you are doing aggregates
2: for vinyl roofing systems. mm -hmm, Yes, there's a lot of, our customers are um, innovative, right? Just think about that white rock on the top of a rooftop. It has such a reflective quality that it helps with the energy efficiency of the building by a tremendous amount. And so, especially in green construction, they're looking for materials like that that will help reflect the sun's rays and keep the building itself cooler. And so there's been a huge increase, uptick in the application of our uh, materials in that application as well. People are smart thinking of all sorts of things. Um,
1: that's good. So what are the challenges that have come from the increase? Just production? But you, but you don't want to use your whole quarry up. So right. you've got to really Let's pace yourself. That Do you balance. want more business? Do you try to solicit more business? Do you advertise?
2: No. <laughs> well, epoxy decking material, we're ever sort of expanding and, and we take on new customers. But in the pool plastering market, my sister and I haven't take on, taken on a new customer since we bought the business from my parents 14 years ago.
1: You it's haven't had a new customer
2: in, the, in that In area. the pool plastering market, right, in the 14 years. Now, our customers are continuing to grow their market share, which causes problems for us, of course. Mm-hmm. But we haven't taken on a new customer just because we can't meet the demand.
1: And continue and, to keep the quarry functioning for well, 40 more years.
2: And, you know, nobody wants to, I mean, right, like it's finding that balance between work and, you don't want to have to be down there working 60 hours a week and running two shifts pulling out rock constantly and even despite the depletion concerns here's a life work balance you're trying to say
1: okay so let's share your news oh speaking of life work balance that was a perfect segue into your next news because you have two very
2: talented daughters oh my sweet 13 year old just got an email today while i've been here Mm -hmm. saying that she was accepted to a summer junior theater Um, broadway junior theater camp or something this summer and so she's been blowing my phone up with emails and And i'm
1: impressed with your daughter because she did her own
2: application she did and her um, audition video she had to upload to youtube and attach the link to her application and submit it to the people in new york and yeah it was um yeah quite the feat you have to be
1: very ambitious and very dedicated to want to fight the battle of moving to new york city where is this campus? is she going is it new york city Now mm-hmm. yeah, it's saying? on broadway it's on broadway to want to fight it's that fine. battle and to go where everybody wants to go mm-hmm. so she's very ambitious for a 13 year old
2: they're both peachy my sister's got two peachy ones too and so it's a good thing to you, want to you
1: may not need to keep the rock quarry for them well you always <laughs> want to have a fallback <laughs> position <laughs> They're going to be living in New York. They'll be like, well, we're not going back down there to Sheridan, Arkansas. Don't tell that to Papa. He says fallback Shh. positions oh, yeah, are always Oh, yeah, Papa good. might be listening, yeah. <laughs> and then you've got an 11-year-old.
2: And She's a dancer. She's peachy, too.
1: And she wants to be a prima ballerina, I believe. Uh-huh, That's a pretty ambitious thing to want to be. She's peachy. I'm sure she's seen the New York um, New York Ballet the african-american first african-american I wish misty I copeland yes yes thank you her
2: dream for her birthday this year is to see her in her production of um the golden cockerel in lincoln center like on friday night june the second or whatever that is like that's all that she wants is so to see misty copeland have you got several. the ticket they don't go on sale yet So uh. i'm not sure i can but i hope to be able to make that happen for her oh my
1: gosh I'm I'm kind of with
2: her that's kind of my wish for everything to she be. wants to be her replacement that's
1: <laughs> what she um, she wants to be a replacement see look how do you why, what's the key to having your kids be so ambitious
2: oh I, it's luck at my house I can promise you it was, it was it's despite me and instead of in I can promise you it, was, it, it just happened in spite of me. Oh, I
1: don't know about that. So I think that you would have to buy... I know that right now Arkansas and banner needs to buy another expensive piece of equipment. Do you have to buy equipment all the time? We kind of talked yes. about repairing it, but do you have to put it in your budget every year yes. that you've got to buy new equipment to keep up with your...
2: Yes. And the gravel's real... Um, It's real abrasive. And so equipment doesn't, like, uh, screen everything. It just because the rock is so hard, especially when it gets down to those really fine particles, it's super abrasive. And so things have a tendency just to wear out because it it just eats it up. Like, you know, in our bucket elevators where we size things in screens on I bet it eats those screens up. Oh my gosh. And so it's a constant thought. Um, What have you learned since you've gone back to work with your family's business? That despite my law degree and my thinking that I'm a negotiator, that I'm really bad at that. That I am the worst person on the planet at hiring people. Um, (laughs) But you don't need to. You've got employees that last forever. Well, we have, you know, some, the ones who... Mostly bag at the warehouse or whatever that sort of have a higher turnover, but your entry level positions I'm the worst at that if I swear to you Why if I do you hire, say that i just I cannot hire one that sticks. My sister's so much better at that than me, so you don't do it. Mm-mm, she does it. I fire, she hires that's mm. our deal. <laughs> whoa,
1: so I think she got the good deal out of that one. A lot of people can't fire, so what do you think uh you're really good at besides firing uh
2: not much. I don't believe that. Um, I don't know. I humility. She's good at humility. We have we're. I'm so li- like we have an office manager that's worked for my parents before us, and now for me and Tara the whole time we've been there. She's been working there since 1985. And you know what I mean? Like I, I don't know. I hope the thing that I do well is appreciate the people who make it easy for us to continue working there. That's what I want to do well is to appreciate them because. Mm-hmm. You know none of us could do it without them they're also susan in our offices and the guy who runs my production like all of them they're just wonderful and where would we be without them is there
1: mostly men working at your at your facility because it's all rocks and hard to
2: um and we have um in our offices Mm -hmm. my the administrative staff are, are women but most of the other people who work there are all men
1: yeah So, I have something at the end of the show that I give to everybody that I cannot wait to give to you because you and your sister are going to love it since you're in a man's world. So, as a gift for your business, even though you didn't birth it, but your parents birthed it and you're keeping it going, you get a cigar for you. Thank you. And for your sister, you can go out there in the rock quarry, or you can just give it to one of your great guys as a
2: gift from oh. the show. Well, thank you for having That's me That's from on. the
1: humidor. You're welcome. You are very interesting. That's from the humidor room at Colonial Wine and Spirits on Markham Street in Little Rock, Arkansas. I love your business. Well, thank you. Thank I, you so much for having me. You are so welcome. I'd love to be in that business. Tim, come down. Come? I'd love to come down. I'll
2: let you drive the truck. Huh?
1: Oh, I'd love to do that. Okay, I'm going to take you up on it, Laurie. Who's the guest next week?
0: Next week, we're going to be visiting with AETN, the local PBS (gasps) channel, discussing a documentary that they're doing about a certain Dreamland Ballroom.
1: (gasps) Oh, boy, is that next week?
0: That is next week.
1: So they're going to have the premiere at Ron Robinson on March the 31st. So it's open to the public. It's the premiere at the ron robinson theater and then on april the 6th it's on aetn at seven o'clock it's going to be aired on tv for the first time on april the 6th so they're going to come on and talk about it i Absolutely. love that i love that
0: and i bet you we're going to play some songs from performers that used to play at dreamland
1: aren't you smart so, if you have a great entrepreneurial story you'd like to share, I'd love to hear from you. Send a brief bio and your contact info to questions at upyourbusiness.org and someone will be in touch. And finally, to our listeners, thank you for spending time with me. If you think this program's been about you, you're right, but it's also about me. Thank you for letting me fulfill my destiny. My hope today is that you've heard or learned something that's been inspiring or enlightening and that it, whatever it is, will help you up your business your independence, or your life. I'm Carrie McCoy, and I'll see you next Friday at 2 p.m. on KABF Radio in Little Rock, Arkansas. Until then, be brave and
0: keep it up. You've been listening to Up in Your Business with Carrie McCoy. Want to hear today's program again or want someone else to benefit from it? Drop this down. Within 48 hours, the podcast will be available at upyourbusiness.org or at flagandbanner.com. Again, that's upyourbusiness.org. Click the tab labeled Podcast. There you'll find today's segment with links to resources you heard discussed on this program. Carrie's goal to help you live the American dream.